Good morning, good day. This is Tony Beretti, and I have the honor and pleasure to be with Jim Newsom. He's the president and chief executive officer of the South Carolina Ports Authority, based in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, he is here today with the uh, on the podcast series, What Leaders Say. And with no further ado, I, I really want to turn the program over to Jim, and I'd like for him to share, I'd like for him to start off by giving kind of a port update for our state because it has a huge impact. And from that, then we'll kind of talk, we'll talk a little bit about uh, what words of wisdom does he have to pass on to our listening audience. So with no further ado, Jim, thank you so much for taking time to meet with me. Well, Tony, thanks for coming over and giving me this opportunity. Uh, over the last 10 years, we've been in, in a significant growth mode uh, in the South Carolina Ports Authority. We've doubled our container volume, uh, really on the backs of the growth of advanced manufacturing in South Carolina. Uh, if you look at the growth of advanced manufacturing jobs and our growth, is almost a one-for-one -one relationship. But we started realizing a few years ago that we would not be able to rely on that forever. So our main focus today is really to try to diversify our cargo base uh, as we built more infrastructure to handle our growth. We were moving along with a record pace through February. We had handled more volume. We were ahead of plan. Uh, life looked really good. And then obviously uh, China shut down uh, and then the pandemic spread to the Western world. So the last three or four months have not been our best. Our volume's down about 15%. But we're a pretty long-term business. We, we, we build infrastructure for 50 years, and, uh, and so this really doesn't deter us. In fact, I think it gives us more encouragement to work harder to develop more business. And the good news, I would say, is that uh, you would think in a pandemic there would not be as much exploration of new opportunities, but we're actually seeing the opposite. We're seeing that more and more uh, people are looking to do new things, focused on the southeast because the southeast has population growth and manufacturing growth. Uh, so we're optimistic about the future. We're, you know, obviously have to get through this pandemic uh, and get a vaccine. That's really the only answer that I, I know of. We had a significant new announcement uh, a couple of weeks ago, which was Walmart stores building their import distribution center seven out in Ridgeville. That's a big deal for the port, uh, has a chance to increase our volume of autonomously about 5%, uh, and certainly is a real calling card for the port because Walmart is really at the cutting edge of supply chain innovation and performance. So if you can perform for them, I think it's a good sign that you can perform for anyone. So it really leverages our uh, sort of focus on serving high-performing businesses such as the automotive industry with BMW and Mercedes and Volvo, uh, and now, re, you know, porting into the demanding side of retail distribution. Well, let's speak. Let's, I was going to, that was on my list of questions. I'm glad you answered that. Uh, I was going to ask you about Walmart. I think, I don't know if people realize in, in the state of South Carolina, especially directly in the Charleston area, um, how important it was for you guys to, because to me that sends a huge message, because Walmart's going to, not they're not going to build, it's, isn't it like two and a half million square feet? So it's almost three million square feet. It's yeah. two buildings, one building 2.7 million and one 200,000. And if you think about, it, they're not going to invest in this area unless they have confidence that Port can deliver. Right. Well, Walmart is the largest retailer in the globe. They're certainly the largest importer in the United States. Um, they are demanding in every respect. They are a high-performing organization. You know, they don't suffer excuses. So you're right. If you can perform for them, and certainly 
part of this decision of coming here was making sure we had a port that could perform. Supply chain management, as you know, is about risk minimization. Yes, sir. So they want to be able to, to have good performance, and I think we were able to assure them that we could do that. And outside that, outside that, I'll also say that, and you and I were talking offline earlier, uh, one of the things that we're noticing with the port is uh, the dynamics of, because the port is doing so well, as far as logistics, on-time delivery, and everything else, uh, we're seeing, you know, we're, we're, we're doing a lot of companies that are relocating to Charleston, and the first question we ask them is why? And it's not because of the food, it's not downtown, it's, it's not because of our beaches, it's because of the port. Well, it's nice of you to say that. I mean, obviously, I think it's why the, the port is owned and operated by the state of South Carolina. Um, you know, we have to deliver a great product to attract new businesses. We're very, very focused on doing it. Our biggest challenge in the last six years has been to invest a lot of money in upgrading our facilities. We, you know, as I was joining the port in 2009, we were building the Leatherman Terminal. Uh, it had been delayed a bit due to the economy and due to some other things that had gone on, you know, prior to my being here. Uh, so we're delivering that on time. What we didn't really contemplate was that we'd have to spend a lot of money in our existing terminal here at the Wando Terminal to handle big container ships. That's the trend in our industry is handling really big container ships. So we've invest, we'll have invested about $2 billion in the last six years, uh, essentially by the end of 2021. Uh, to deliver a new container terminal, first new terminal since uh, 2009, uh, a significantly upgraded Wando terminal, a deepened harbor, uh, really preparing ourselves for the future and for the ability to grow with big customers. Because if a customer wants to come here, what they want to know is, do you have a plan over 20, 30, 40 years to handle the growth, to handle our volume? You know, because once you put $220 million worth of facilities here, there's no turning back. So they got to make sure they have a good partner. And we focus on being a good partner, and we are a good partner. I mean, I can say that with certainty, that we are a very good partner in the supply chain. That makes sense. I was wondering about that because you're right. Because if I'm going to move here and I'm going to do baseline business, everybody's got to be thinking about their businesses growing. Most people aren't thinking about where I am today. They're, everybody's projecting three, five, ten, ten years to the future, just like Walmart. Yeah, three million square feet plus or minus, but they're, you know, five, 10 years from now, it could be four million, five million or whatever. You just never know. Well, they have a lot of facets to their business, obviously, you know, so, I mean, it's important to, to account for all that, but yeah, we, I mean, we have to plan for growth. Um, and we were able to do that. As you know, we needed to make a project like this work. We needed port dependent land. So we had the ability to buy some land out in Ridgeville, South Carolina, West Rock, was selling their long-term real estate holdings and, and they were nice enough to sell it to us and we were able to put that land in play for this development. So it's very, very important to have land, port-dependent land, to do these types of projects. And also uh, what we have found is we grow the import cargo base, uh, which is mainly population-related as the South grows. We have to grow the export cargo base. So similar to the project that you're building for Frontier Logistics at the food bank, we need export translating facilities to use the import containers that come here. That's more economical for the shipping lines. It's more economical for the shippers that use our ports. So we've got kind of a two-tier effort, grow import on the one hand for retail distribution, making leverage of e-commerce and things of that nature, the demand for e-commerce space, which is 
exploding today. As you know, there's a kind of a two-tier retail structure. The large retailers are, are really growing at the expense of the more specialized retailers because they can deliver both in-store and omni-channel and via e-commerce. And then on the other hand, these sort of purpose-built export facilities for forest products, ag products, and plastics. Well, yeah, speaking does two things. So Frontier in particular, that was part of our conversation with them was why Charles and looking at their facility and everything else. And they're, they're currently, you know, they, you know, working in the Gulf Coast area. Uh, their biggest problem that you mentioned earlier was uh, their existing quarter <coughs> capacities in those areas, not able to keep up with their increased volume. So then the next thing is, let me go to a port that can handle, here's the volume I have, but more importantly, future volume. And, and what people are telling me is that's one of the things of why they're coming here, which is because you're, you all have the capacity and you're right. a long-term partner. Well, I started my career in the Port of Houston, not working for the port, but working for a private company. I'm very proud of what they've done there. It's a great port, but it's not on the major east-west shipping routes. Uh, so the large shippers, and particularly Chevron Phillips, was very, very much a visionary in saying that we need to diversify the way we ship our cargo. So they started looking at Charleston. You, know, you and I were talking beforehand, Tony, a lot of people don't really understand what we do in the port. But some of these projects we work on five, six, seven years before they come to fruition. So we very fortunate with Frontier, a good partner in George Cook, their president, and Kevin Newkirk and their team. Uh, they've done a first-class job, you know, in bringing business here. And, and, and I think what you realize, a uh, Frontier and A&R Logistics and A&R Bulk Pack, uh, Mid-States Packaging, they themselves attract business as well because you need reliable private party suppliers to do this work. So they have their own ability to, to capture business and bring it here. So that's why we need those type of partners. Well, that group you just mentioned is plastics in particular. Is there, is, do you see the, I mean, I'm just curious as a consumer, do you see the plastics industry continuing to grow in Charleston? Because we what? have, we have another group we met with last week that is looking at doing similar type work. And, and, and to me, it's just like, wow, it's again, it's because of your capacity. Well, so the growth in, if you say growth in Charleston, I think it's important to define what that is. So yeah. there, there's no plastics manufacturing here. The, the, manu right. the plastics are manufactured in the Gulf, in, in Pennsylvania, at the Marsalis Shale in Canada. So when, when you talk about these activities, it's really packaging and shipping here. Right. So we do see that growing, I think, between, uh, if I remember correctly, between 2018 and 2023, there's 10 million tons of new plastics manufacturing capacity coming online in the Gulf and, and in Pennsylvania. We think about 2 million tons of that will come to the East Coast. That's about 100,000 containers. So say we get half of it, let's just divide it between us and Savannah and give us half. So that's 50,000 incremental containers. Wow. So that, that really sucks up the big import demand of, a, of another retail company. So it's important to us. And what we understand is there are further projects behind these coming. There's another tier two of these projects coming, which are equally as large because the price of natural gas is very, very low. So, yeah, we think it's a growth industry. We think it's a good industry. I mean, these players are... Are, are world-class players with world-class facilities, the latest automation and technology. So it is definitely 
an area where we want to grow. And plastics like ag products and, and forest products are rising standard of living products in the emerging market. These are these are not goods. Con- Most of this incremental production is not going to be consumed in the United States. It's mostly all for export, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and again, that's great for people that are an average consumer. Yeah, because that's the questions I ask is where's all this all this going? And, and it's a byproduct of the oil and gas industry. But it's great that it's instead of going into landfills, it's actually being utilized. Well, actually, 20 years ago, all that production was going to be in the Middle East. And then that all changed. And, and because of the price of the feedstock came back to the United States. And if you look at the job creation in the South, I think we're real focused on job creation these days because a lot of people are unemployed. The biggest projects in the South, and I do include Texas in the South. Some Texans may not like that, but that's okay. <laughs> They'll have to deal with it. The biggest projects by far in the last two years have been plastics production. Yes, sir. I completely agree. Um, no, that's great. I mean, your job, and speaking of, I mean, I'm just looking at over the last year since you've been the director of the Port Authority. I mean, it's amazing how our port systems have just gotten better and better and better over time. Which is that, and, and you know, back to your leadership style, is that you think is what's been some of your keys to success relative around leadership skills? Well, you know, I think first of all, it's important to realize that, um, you know, there's no I in team. I mean, I don't do anything by myself. I am indeed the leader of the organization. I think leadership is very, very important, you know, in terms of performance. But I think it starts and ends, Tony, with having good people, having motivated people, having them understand the mission that you're, the thing that you're trying to accomplish, and then really getting out of their way and letting them do what you're you're paying them to do. Um, and so I think that the, if you know you look at the port, everybody looks at our cranes when they go over the bridge, and they look at the ships and things of that nature. But the secret sauce of what makes the supply chain work is the people, and I think what sets Charleston apart. Uh, it's not only the people that work for the port. I mean, we have 730 people that work for the port, but the greater maritime community, truckers, ILA, um, contractors, etc., tugs, pilots, it's close to 10,000 people. I think they're all highly motivated. Uh, they, they produce a great product. This is, a, this is not unskilled work. It's very skilled work that we do. So we're, we're fortunate to have a good team, and we've, we can perform well if we lead them correctly. I, that's interesting that you say that. I mean, because, uh, I mean, I I firmly believe in what you just said. I, what I admire about your leadership style is there is a sense of purpose. There's a sense of direction. And it's all about serving the you know, state and, and making a, an impact on the state. But you, I think everybody has a good sense that it's, it's uh, what I say, there's not, I don't see a lot of drama down here at the court. There's, it's, it's really people that are kind of focused on the mission and the direction of the Port Authority. Well, nobody likes drama. Um, it's counterproductive. Look, every, nobody starts the day wanting to fail, right? I mean, everybody wants to know how they fit into the, the into the puzzle. What do they do to make this place successful? And I think what our management, we've got a great uh, senior management team now. I think what they've really done a good job of is making sure that everyone knows this is where we're going. This is how they fit into making it successful. So how does Tony Mixon, who greets people at the front desk as part of our port police, how does he fit into making it successful? Well, he fits into making it successful because he greets people properly. He makes them feel welcome here. He educates them on what they need to do to be a visitor here. That's very important to us. So everybody's got a role to play in, in making sure that they have a vision that's just a little bit bigger than their own world, that they have a vision about how they affect the collective. You know, are you... 
Are you a bricklayer or are you building a cathedral, right? I mean, so those are the same job. It's just two different perspectives. So we want cathedral builders. We don't just want bricklayers. Yeah, and you're right. You need a, you, you need a, it's, and I, we're big on that too. It's, not, it's good to hear you say that because everybody from the, from the greeter to whoever does anything about your business, everybody has an important role. Everybody has an important role. So if you, and I think you may have been to our trade conference, you know, every year we have a, a really good motivational speaker. Uh, and we had John Gordon one year. I don't know if you know yes, John sir. Gordon. He does the, does the book, The Energy Bus. And if you follow him on Twitter, he's, he's very inspirational. And and I think he said some very important things. He says that you, you know, you you have ultimately to get everybody on the bus. You have to get everybody convinced that this is what they want to do. And we don't want anyone working. We're, again, we're 730 people. And my dream when I wake up in the morning you know, or, or when I go to bed at night, I dream about the fact that I want everyone here to want to be here. I want them to be happy, to be motivated by being here. If they don't want to be here, my hope is that they find productive employment elsewhere because we've got probably five times as many people that want to be here as we have jobs for. So I think it's a point of, of convincing people, of giving them the reason to say, I really want to be part of this. But if they can't reach that conclusion, making sure that they're not detracting us because as you all know as we all know a person negatively motivated or whatever can cause a lot of damage in an organization so we really want to have the best and brightest here we want to reward them well praise them when they do well encourage them to do better when they don't but at the end of the day have a group of people with a single purpose and that's to make this place successful and to realize that they have a big responsibility that's one of the things that we really speak to our team about is that we're a small group of people with a big responsibility to the state. If you think about a port like this, we are a business owned by the people of South Carolina. So every resident of South Carolina is a shareholder. We're accountable to them. And they have high expectations of us. They, sh they should. They've entrusted us to spend $2 billion in assets here, to go out and get new business, most of which are from companies that are not here. I mean, they're in far-flung places around the U.S. and in the world. So... That big responsibility is worth doing, and, and if you want to be part of that, it's a great place to work. If you don't, it probably isn't. Well, along the lines of what you just said, um, the, the one thing that resonates with me and your team, and, it, and again, it starts at the top, i.e. with you, and, it, and, and I see this disseminated further down your leadership because we work with your leadership group on projects at the port, is you all genuinely care about your people, and you care about doing a good job. You know, and that's yeah. and I think that's when you when you let people know that you genuinely are interested in their well being and that you genuinely care that you want them to feel like they're part of the team, a, a care attribute comes out and people feel people really like that. You know, well, so. we th we think if we take care of our people, they'll take care of our customers that's right. um, or our suppliers. I mean, in a way, our suppliers are a customer in an inverse sense. But you know, the, all these relationships are are very, very important to nurture. Um, and, and you know, I think that's, that's the way that we have uh, treated our workforce, hopefully. Communication is a big part of that. Fortunately, in, in the electronic world, we can communicate faster, you know, keep people updated. I, I spend a lot of time sending messages to our team, really just giving them our vision, what we're seeing in the, in the world. 
in, in how we're going to be successful at what we're doing. Again, everybody wants to be part of a success story, right? So, the, And they want to know what they can do. And sometimes we just have to be smart enough to get out of their way and not micromanage them and let them do it. Uh, that's great. And I, I see a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of bad leaders or bad managers, uh, they tend to micromanage. But what I have found is exceptional people, they just want to be know. just tell me what you expect of me. Tell me, right. tell me what you want me to do, and they get out of the way. Well, we've uh, we've advanced an idea internally, and I think it's a very uh, it really stems back to some Jack Welch ideas from General Electric. And I read an article from him 25 years ago. It's called "Speed, Simplicity, and Self Confidence," and it's on it's Harvard Business Review article. It's still available online. It's it's a great read. And the idea that we've advanced here is that as we grow. We don't have to make this place more complex. We should, as you grow, you should simplify. Um, and and we really are are serious about the fact. You know, the natural tendency would say, as you grow, you got to make things more complex, more checks and balances, or whatever. Actually, the reverse is true. Uh, we think there are many ways to simplify this business because speed of action is key to success today. We are in a nanosecond world right now. You don't have time to, to overanalyze, you know, this whole paralysis by analysis thing, which is akin to really saying you don't want to make a decision. I mean, you, you're trying to find a reason not to make a decision. We just don't have time for that today. Um, so, so I think simplicity and speed of action are important things to inculcate in, in, in an organization. And, I, and I, I'll just tell you this. I mean, again, I, we work directly with the port on sensitive projects. and I. Again, I, they don't make it complex. Your staff is really good about keeping things simple. They're really good about communicating. If there's a problem, they, you know, it's kind of like their attitude is not like mine. A, a problem doesn't resonate better. You know, and they want to know immediately. And there are no consequences if you come forward with your team. It's really been very refreshing to work with people that are not trying to name, call, or point fingers. If it's their problem, it's our theirs. If it's our problem, but it's even then, if it's our problem, it's it, the team is more about what is the solution instead of the drama trying to create a mess, and then we've got to be apologetic or whatever it might be. Right. Well, really we work. Uh, you work mainly with our engineers, and I think our engineering department is an example of of how our organization has evolved. I mean, I, I, it's all about the people. We have a great team of engineers. They're really purpose-driven, and they're focused on, on very meaningful projects. And they want news. I mean, we, the, the worst is no news. You want good news. You want bad news. You want it quick. You want to get it out, get it resolved. And, and the idea is what, what I hate is finger-pointing. I mean, the idea is to, is to get the problems out in the open, get them solved collaboratively. That's where Walmart is great. I mean, if you talk about I've done had the good fortune to do business with Walmart for, for 20 over 20 years and they are ex they're excellent at problem solving they call it correction of errors things of that nature getting all the issues out on the table and getting a fix in and not dithering about it or, or trying to fix blame no that's that is so key uh, and that's and again I mean what's interesting is sitting here with you today and I've admired how our, our port system uh, and again a lot of this is not because of us working with you, it's just the people that do business with the port talk about why they're moving to Charleston or why they're growing their businesses because they feel like port is a, a teammate, a partner with them, which is really key. Even though you charge them for whatever you might do, 
they look at you as a true partner in the sense. So it's great for our state. I mean, Charleston right now is, is blowing up, but a lot of it's because of our infrastructure and the port system is, to me, is part of the infrastructure, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think we can create a lot of good jobs here, you know, be responsible for that. That's our mission. You know, that's why, why does the state own and operate the port? It's an economic development engine. Businesses locate. And the same in Georgia. You can say the same for the Georgia Ports Authority. We attract good businesses here, and I think there's way more potential to do that. And I think the appreciation of the supply chain industry has increased in the pandemic. I think people all of a sudden understand that that trucks get toilet paper to grocery stores and to places like that, and that they, that they must share the highways with, with trucks and things like that. So I think it's a, it's a good story. Uh, a lot of exciting opportunity ahead. We got a really good business development team now. They're aggressive, and you have to be aggressive. Look, I mean, the what is a fr- I have a great friend that says uh, timid salespeople have skinny children. You know, and I don't know if that's uh, appropriate to say that or not. No, but, yeah, I like but, 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 uh, <laughs> you know, timid salespeople have. I give credit to Paul Stedman for that, uh, and it's really true. So we've got got a, a hungry group of people. Well, we've got a few minutes here. It's, we've been into this uh, interview for 25 minutes, and we usually try to keep them under 30. Is there anything you'd like to talk about? My understanding is the port, the U. Leatherman terminal, is supposed to be online in, in 2021. Is there anything you'd like to? Well, so it's again, it's an amazing accomplishment. If you think about filing a permit with the Army Corps of Engineers in 2003, receiving that permit in 2007. Uh, and we're going to deliver the terminal at the end of March in 2021 and certainly celebrate that with the, the namesake of the terminal, Senator Leatherman, who's been a, a great supporter of the port uh, in this legislature. I mean, we, I think that what I would like to say about all of this is that the, the port's a collaborative effort. I mean, we've had great support from the legislature, uh, the governor, in, in terms of having a great board you know, to govern us. We've got a really wonderful board with a lot of institutional knowledge. This is not, this is a compl- relatively complicated business. And having experienced board members with good institutional knowledge is critical, you know, in, in their leadership of us. So it's a real collaborative effort. Uh, it's a real success story, I think, for the state of South Carolina that I hope everyone will take a little bit of pride in. Well, everybody does. And I just, like I said, I just wanted to pass on you because I'm, I'm not in the real world, if you will. You are too, but uh, real world relative to people that uh, are coming to our state and talk about the port. And all I've getting is really, you know, the last 10 years has really been a lot of positive stuff because what we like to do is, you know, with just curiosity and, and, and to know why are people coming to Charleston, South Carolina mm-hmm. versus Savannah or going somewhere else. And it's, uh, a lot of nine times out of ten, it's because of the port, and it's because well, their products either receiving right. or exporting. <clears throat> well, I'm, I, I would say I'd end it with this, Tony. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much constructively restless, you know. So I, I, I'm very pleased with what we've accomplished, but I, I'm never satisfied that we've accomplished enough. So we're, we've got a restless mentality here. We, we wake up every day wanting to do something a little bit better. That's the type of attitude we want to have here. Because I think if you have that attitude in your people, you got you have no choice but to move forward. If everyone's focused on what they can do better every day, you're going to move forward one way or the other. Yes, sir. No, and I like, I mean, you, you've definitely share, shared a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of key things 
as far as your leadership skills of why the port is, it's not by accident that our port is growing like it is. Uh, and it's the, the image that you project into the community, into the state, and on a, even on a national level. When I'm in other states, we talk about South Carolina, how everything is really positive and upbeat. So it's, it's directly attributed to your leadership style, and I appreciate you sharing. Well, thanks. All we need to do now, let's get a vaccine so we can get life back to normal and start going out to restaurants again and enjoying our life. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tony, for the opportunity. Bye.